How's it? This week, I'm joined by Kuha Ozane of Sig Zane Designs. World-renowned, Sig Zane Designs is a Hilo-based business that is spreading the aloha in the world through their aloha wear and other designs. Kuhao is an awesome mix of next-generation leadership, traditional sensibilities, art and cultural inspiration, and has some of that good old Hilo style. We chat about the business, hula, Hilo, and all kinds of other stuff. Mahalo for joining us. Please subscribe, rate, and donate. Welcome to On The Rock. What's up, bro? Yeah, brother Nate. How's it going? <laughs> How are you, bro? How's it going in Hilo? You know, Hilo is definitely a ghost town right now in downtown, <laughs> which is, you know, a little unnerving, but um, I think that Overall, I do feel that helos are pretty, um, uh, they're, they're in tune for survival. So I, I, I think we got this. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're yeah. talking about. Well, simple protocol stuff. So we go with um, your name, where you're from. And then I usually do like one third question. Um, I, I got, I, I was trying to think of one for you today and I was like, okay, if tomorrow's perfect conditions, would you rather go? Ulua fishing or hunting? Okay. So, aloha kako. Uh, my name is Kuha Ozane of Sig Zane Designs, as well as Essie Kyle, our design team, and then also Ith Nakole Foundation, our family nonprofit. Um, that said, today was perfect conditions. Um, woof. That's a hard one. Not necessarily ulua fishing, but the possibility of ulua fishing. I've been I've been kayak fishing lately. Oh, okay. And so I just got a kayak. So I'd probably go holo holo on my kayak. Um, shout out to Isaac Bukanko from Maui. He told me you got to go to about 300 feet deep and you got to do this vertical jigging thing. So I okay. just started doing that. So <laughs> I think I would choose that over going to the farm and going hunting. So um, for currently, that's my current answer. So where, where are you going? Right on in front, right in bay front? Literally, um, right out from Kelkaha side. So um, I've been going to Bayfront a couple times with the kayak, and that, it's actually super easy since it's calm. But um, on the calm days with no wind, going straight out from Puhi Bay, because I live in Kelkaha, yeah. um, straight out from Puhi Bay, literally like not even quarter mile out, it's it starts to drop all the way to 200 feet. Okay. Um, so far, I, I have a small, small-ish papillo, uh, <laughs> yellow spot papillo, and then a small lish uku, my first uku I ever oh, caught. Oh, that's a nice one. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of learning learning it. So um, I've been doing damashi every so often, and then uh, I've been doing the vertical jigging lately. Yeah, it's because like um, right outside Pui Bay, when I go fishing cheers, with my dad. There. Oh, cheers! Yeah, so this is this is like a Ooh. official pahana one. What what you got going the on pahana today? One. Uh, today I got um, I got yellow spot. So obviously, you know, my dad, my dad passed down the, the love for scotch, right? So <laughs> this one is called Yellow Spot. It's Irish whiskey. Oh, nice. Uh, this one's actually pretty smooth. Um, I've been drinking this one a lot lately. I, I would move the camera, but you don't really necessarily need to see my, um, my see, bar of bad investments. I can see part of the bar. I see some, I see some <laughs> stuff on the bar. Yeah, I was going to actually, I was going to drink scotch too. I had, um. I cracked open my bottle of Chivas, the the Mizunata, the Mizunata oh, bottle. Oh, nice one! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really like that. It's it's 
it's and it's reasonable. It's not as expensive as other towns. Available in Hawaii. I gotta be because somebody got it for me for a, a gift. So okay, okay. I don't think they got it from Japan. So I think they bought it here someplace. But um, but yeah, I really like that bottle. It's it's I'm not I'm not a super huge Scotch drinker, but yeah. that one I like. I don't know. I, I I can I can down that one pretty good. But I got I got Maui seltzers today. So I, so keeping it keeping it light, bro. I, well, we, I still we do have edit. an hour, so I might have to switch over too. <laughs> <laughs> I still gotta edit this tonight, so I gotta be kind of coherent, yeah. but I can't be too wasted. But yeah, no, where you guys go, like Puhi Bay, that's like because when I go with my dad and we do the Ono run before we go out to the buoys yep. for Ahi, right outside yep. Kilka, that whole run, you can catch yeah, some Ono yeah. pretty close too, not that far out. Cause um, I've been seeing other kayak guys go out there and um, they've, they've been catching and, you know, I'm kind of just still like an amateur in this. I'm still, I'm just learning this literally like two months or three months in now, but um, I've been just been kind of watching where they go. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, they're kind of going far out. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to that learning feeling, you know? So. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, cause you, you go in the water a lot. So it's the, the kayak part is not hard, right? It's not that that's not the hard part for you. Brother. Um, I will say I got one of those kayaks with the, with the pedals on it. So like it, it has a little like propeller under and it's kind of like, <laughs> so I was showing a video to one of my friends and she showed it to her kids. <laughs> the kids was like, what is that uncle get on water bike? <laughs> I was like, that's a very accurate 100. That's uh, yeah, that's a very accurate. accurate. uh, Yeah, because you got to keep, I guess you need that because when you're fighting the fish, you still got to have some control of your boat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen some guys, they're, they're like hammers. They just go with this and then they fight. And like, I don't know how the hell they do it, but. Um, with the pedal one, it's actually not too bad. So you can actually go out there. Um, and, you know, my legs, I've been dancing for a long time. So I've, I'm pre- pretty confident in my legs to be able to bring me back at a certain point. But yeah. I've been enjoying it. Um, you get the same, like, you know, I feel like you'd get the same type of uh, quietness that you'd get, like, as if you're meditating or something. So uh, I, I feel like there's qualities of that, definitely. Yeah, I was I was debating. The problem is I live in an apartment, so I don't have a place to put one kayak. But um, I was for a while I was yeah. looking at some rigs for fishing, because plenty of guys do it out here too. Because like if you go uh, west side, the water is pretty yep. pretty calm all around. So it, calm, you know, like, yeah. Most of them, most of them, like you can go out pretty far and not worry as yeah. as much. You know, like fuck, I don't know. Keokaha is kind of rough, bro. Like the water can get. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's like, some swells, bro. Yeah, like people don't don't realize yeah. like when you get outside of the break wall, so Puhibe and out from Kyoka, yeah. it gets kind of rough, yeah. bro. Like the water is no, yeah. the kilo water is no joke, bro. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mess around. Like when I, I would like, say the whole east side, the whole east side is like pretty yeah, nuts. Bro. Cause like when I go fishing with my dad, and if we go south toward Kumukahi. We usually go toward Kumukahi yep. and then we head out, but nice. But like the whole coastline is ripping, like it's just pounding, yeah. and people don't realize how rough the water is out out on our side and Hilo side. Yeah, until you get out on the water and you're like, holy smokes, like it's it's rough. <laughs> but yeah, next time we go, bro, 
You good on boats then, right? You yep. don't get sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm good. Oh, I'll call you, bro. Like next time I'm home, and if I go with my dad, you can come out with us. It's usually yeah. just me and him. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, we usually go down to Cape Kumukahi and then go out yeah. and then circle back, uh, come back that way. But yeah, bro. So how's things in you? We mentioned right before we got on, Hilo's a ghost town. So how, how's it? How's it? How's it going right now? Um. Yeah, I know he was definitely a ghost town. I think that um, as far as a lot of the local businesses, it's challenging for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that there are a lot of the local businesses with that opened up within the past like ten years that kind of catered to the to the tourist industry here. You know, as far as the um, boat cruises um, yep. and some of the day to day tourists that would come in, but you know. I definitely seen maybe like five or six alone just on this front street shut down already mm. um, and move out. And I don't know if they moved away or what, but, um, and then Moon and Turtle, uh, it's like one of the better restaurants that we've had here. They yeah. just had their last serving. Um, I don't think they're going to be done, done. I, I think they'll, you know, figure out a pivot and move forward. Um, but just in general, I think it, it definitely, makes you very grateful for um, any opportunities and any type of business transactions that can happen during this time. So I think that we got to take that, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, and, and really appreciate some of the, um, some of the times that we're having too. So, you know, I, I think it goes, goes in both ways for sure. Yeah. Did you guys see, cause you guys do, I mean, I would say, and I'm just guessing, but I'd say a good chunk of your, business are our local people um you know if yep. not majority so did you guys see a big did it hit you guys pretty hard or you know did you just see like a little dip and then it kind of bounced back um oh, we're we're still in a dip right now so okay. uh it's 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 not um like <laughs> I, was, I was actually just in a financial meeting this morning but um the thing is we our stores are still closed so our oahu store is still closed um and we just opened up the art gallery, Kayao space in Oahu as well, which we were going to have like a bunch of promotions that we had lined up for this year. But as far as, um, as far as the events, we, we couldn't really do any events over there. And then our Hilo store has been shut down for, um, I mean, literally since like March. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, that definitely had, um, effect on our dip in sales, but at the same time, um, our online has kind of been like bonkers right now. So uh, we, we've been blessed to be able to have like a really large growth within our online. And that kind of sufficed for some of our dip, but saying that because we've had a pretty significant dip and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm talking in like a 20%, 30, 30%, right. Mm. Um, I think that since we've had that sort of dip, like we, we did have to, slim down a lot of our team um and slim down of a lot a lot of our part-time um so i think that for us we're just trying to figure out the best way to be able to be nimble and at the same time to be able to capitalize on our online market so um luckily we made some good moves moving into uh moving into 2020 as far as like uh, creating our um, email campaigns and our social campaigns and making sure that our um, subscriber newsletter lists were like you know set but uh, I think all of those kind of investments previous were definitely paying dividends right now. 
Yeah, I, I think I got that general theme from everybody I talked to, like the ones that, you know, maybe they were kind of bolstering their online presence going into 2020 or had yeah. a, li a little bit of presence already. But they, they were able to pivot real quick because, you know, when this thing hit, the online pretty much became the only way they could sell. Um, yeah. And the ones that couldn't adapt fast enough, they're, they're the ones that, ha you know, still probably having super hard time. But um, yeah, I know. I just ordered your guys um, the Fighting Eel collab. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just yeah. got them today. That shirt is bad, bro. Like, nice. You know the pictures. No, like it. It's that's that's the one thing I I I, I that I guess would be hard for me with your guys' clothes is like. And growing up in Hilo, because I used to go home, I go home a lot. I'm used to seeing your stuff, like in person. On. Yeah. Yeah, and on. Yeah. So it's a different vibe. Like I, I love the fighting eel one, but it actually looks a lot better now that I have it versus the pictures that I saw online i was like oh that's a nice yeah. shirt but now that i took yeah. it out of the package and i got it i was like oh that like that is kind of like a pink pinkish kind of color to it yeah um i was like oh that thing is banging like it it's, it's but like if i went to the store i would have saw that and it would have been a much easier like purchase in my brain but um no nah, you're, you're you're spot on you're spot on because um just like you're saying if you went to the store um, you would be, be able to see it in person. For us, one of the biggest ledges in the customer experience from when they're uh, just hearing about us before they even come to the store to the point when they walk into the store, the biggest ledge that usually leads to a sale after we kind of like did our own um, internal studies on it um, is right when they put on the shirt. Yeah. As soon as they put on the shirt and look at themselves in the shirt, that's when they're like, oh, wait, I look good in this shirt. And <laughs> yeah. as soon as they come out of the dressing room and like, I don't know, the wife's like, oh, wow, that doesn't even look like, you know, whenever they get their compliments or whatever. So I think that, um, you, yeah, you're spot on with that. It, it, it definitely looks a lot better on. And I think that um, now that we're, you know, having to rely on our website, we, we're looking at other ways to be able to employ a similar type of feeling yeah. <laughs> via the website. I mean, like, you know, and, and like, no offense, because you always look good in your clothes, bro. Like, your style is awesome. <laughs> but, like, I like the fact that you use, like, regular-looking brothers like me. Like, all different kind size dudes. <laughs> like, I am I have a certain build, right? I'm, like, short and stocky. And you got models. Like, I think the guy that's wearing the this shirt is kind of one kind of more stocky guy. So, when I see yeah, him in yeah. the shirt, I was like, okay, I can see that that one will fit <laughs> me okay. Like, that's the big part. Yeah. Like, a lot of these guys only use, like... The tall, skinny, slim-looking male <laughs> models, and like that, not gonna fit me, you know. But when I see an umbrella that's kind of built like me, wearing your shirt, I was like, okay, I, I get that. And then you guys put it, I think, on the picture too. You put like the size that he was wearing, so I yeah, could kind of yeah. guess, like, okay, I'm probably gonna be that size. And sure enough, when I got it, initially when I took out of the package, I was like, okay, it might be kind of big, but as soon as I put them on, yeah. I was like, oh no, she fit, and like it's got enough room so yeah no i i think your guys stuff is and i've been a fan for a long time so i gotta say this i gotta appreciate i gotta claim it, appreciate it. i gotta claim that i used to wear you guys shirts from at least 15 years ago like before wow. before was like super popular i mean it was kind of popular <laughs> and i remember like running so like let's go to this because how long have you been working working in the company 
the crazy thing is, and I was just doing this the other day, I was just doing the numbers the other day, but the crazy thing is this past January, I made on salary on, on while on payroll, um, I made 17 years. Okay. So 2003 yeah. or, or whatever is when you, yeah, 2003, you correct. Yeah. So pretty much right after you went, cause you went to design school. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I graduated from Hilo high in 2000. Um, it's supposed to be our 20th anniversary. But yeah, then the one I went to design school uh, up in LA. And then as soon as I came back, literally my dad just pulled the pocket move. And I was like, boy, if I'm going to pay for your um, schooling, you're going to come back and work. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um yeah, I came back right right after uh, right after school and just jumped right in. But the funny thing is that I came back in thinking like I was like a bad at. I don't know if I can say that. You can say it. You, like can, hey, you can swear. You can swear. You can swear. I already said shit and fuck on this thing before, so don't worry about. It. Uh, yeah, I, I already thought that I was like a badass designer coming back, back from LA because uh, you know they just immerse you into the idea into the design world. And so when I came back, I was like ready to hit the ground running. And the first thing my dad told me is like, hey, your first job is going to be downstairs in the back folding clothes. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? No, true. Yeah. <laughs> I came back. I went. That's... Anyway, so um, the funny thing is that um, I just was talking through this the other day and the, um, I guess since I was working folding clothes uh, after I got so after I was probably salty to my dad, um, basically I, I would do graphic design at nighttime, and so I would just design T-shirts because I was still like really hungry as a designer, and so I designed stuff at nighttime, and that's actually a habit that I still have today. Like it actually curated itself into my work ethic as far as like working all day, come home, eat, then work all night, you know, mm. and so like. It's, it's weird how it kind of like played into it later on in life. But now I'm looking at it. I'm like, wow, dad, that was actually a really big gift. Thank you very much for humbling me so much. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I think, I think, you know, one thing I was going to ask you is like, you know, your dad's the business, Sig Zane. I mean, cause he's mm -hmm. been around for a long time. I remember, I remember Sig Zane being around when I was a kid. Like, I just remember it being yeah. around for forever. Um, and then it, I find it, and but it's such a specialized type of work, right? It's it's design work. Did you always want to go into it, or you know, because it's you followed your dad's footsteps in a very yeah. specific kind of field? Like it's not like me where I'm, I'm in business, and my mom guys had their own business, and it's but different kinds of business. Yours is very specific, like a a design business. Um, did you always want to go into it? Um. That's a good point. Uh, it, it's a, it, it's not something that I always wanted to go into. And when I was in high school, like I had the idea that I wanted to um, kind of, I was always around artwork. So like I did my own art when I was a kid, my parents encouraged artwork. I was a terrible student. So sometimes my escape was artwork, gotcha. um, but I wasn't the best, you know, drawer. Like I couldn't draw amazingly or anything. I couldn't paint or anything like that. I just liked the idea of getting images in my head out onto paper. Um, and I think it was maybe about 10th grade. I want to say ninth or 10th grade that uh, my dad offered me to design a surf shorts. And so 
And while he offered me that, I was down in the shop, like after school, like doing little sketches of surf sharks. And it came out like cool, but he didn't have the right material that I wanted. He didn't have the right like sewing technique that I wanted. And so like I was making all these call outs from brands that I understood at the time. But, you know, at the same time, I didn't understand what his restrictions or um, con con construction was. Sorry. Yeah. And so I think that um, for me, when that idea kind of like left and I didn't end up doing the surf shirt, the next idea after that was to be able to create my own surf shop. Um, so I created, uh, the name of a surf shop and everything. I actually looked up one of the spots. It's like one block down this way. And I actually called the real estate agent and everything to try and figure out if I could go and check out the spot. Um, I got all the prices together and my dad told me, oh, you have to put a business plan together. And so I'm like 10th grade, right? This is, <laughs> this is nine, 98 now. So, um, I'm putting all of this together. And then he said, maybe you can pr propose to Gungung. Uh, my grandpa proposed to Gungung that like, maybe he'll give you a loan for how much you need. And then, so I put together the whole business plan, five-year business plan. Um, it probably looked terrible. <laughs> now thinking <laughs> back at it. I did go on the computer. I typed a bunch of things out. I had a somewhat of an Excel sheet, had all my expenses down, um, presented to my grandpa uh, over one of the weekends that we flew up to Oahu. And then basically my grandpa was like, wow, you did a lot of work. This is, I, I'm amazed that you did this much and thank you so much for presenting. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of saw that one coming, but that's yeah. awesome that your dad put you through the, the whole thing. Yeah. And then, so after that, so that was two shutdowns already. The third, the third one was like, okay, well, maybe you can just make your own t-shirt. <laughs> uh, and so I think it was maybe that summer um, from 98 to nine um, or so summer from sophomore over to junior that um, my dad's partner at the time, Puna Bay Rice, he ended up teaching me how to do graphic design. And this is CorelDRAW, the app at the time. Uh, and yeah, I ended up figuring out CorelDRAW pretty well. Uh, and I started to like create my own designs on t-shirts. And eventually I came up with my own brand. And I think it was in my junior year of high school that I started to sell t-shirts. So you know, back, nowadays, everybody got a t-shirt. You got Printful. You can figure that thing out super easy. Yeah. But back then, it was actually pretty difficult to figure out. And so I swear there was like the person that was selling candy in school and then the Musubi person in school. And then there's me selling t-shirts. And then there's one other guy, Jason Koji, that was selling like t-shirts and stickers. And he was like my main competition during the time. But um, yeah, and that's basically how I honed in on just like the concept of like graphic design and then I guess a simple idea of like you know hustling t-shirts in school so I guess that's where it, where it all started now yeah I mean I, Sorry, I got that was your, a long tangent by the way I, I'm, I'm running your one of yeah, your Polycoo yeah Polycoo Surf yeah Polycoo Surf I like this I like your guys stuff from that shop too um, but so I know I read that like for your dad a lot of his inspiration comes from you know plants uh native plants being out out in nature yep. not just plants but just being outside and and trying to put his interpretation of nature onto a print where do you draw how do you draw a lot of your inspiration or is it so, sort of similar kind of a vein so it's it's very similar um i think that continuing on from like the you know the storyline that i was talking about as far as the t-shirts is concerned 
Uh, one of the things that drove me early on was that I, I saw that Quicksilver t-shirt that had the HI on it. And um, it was just a really big HI. And I thought it was cool because that was one of the first times that I saw a blatant representation of Hawaii in a surf brand at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I was like, wow, I got to go get that shirt. And then while I was wearing it, I can remember thinking to myself, I was like, oh, this is so cool. A Hawaii person must have designed this shirt. And then I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute. Does Quicksilver even have like a Hawaii office of designers? <laughs> is like, can you go work for Quicksilver in Hawaii? And then that's when it kind of like started to click in my head that, um, you know, quite possibly all of these designs are not designed by somebody in Hawaii. And I think that was an early driving factor for me that like, I was like, okay, wait a minute. If anything is going to have Hawaii content or context on it, it should be designed and done or at least consulted upon by somebody from Hawaii, you yeah. know? And um, I think that that was an early driving factor. Secondly, I've been dancing hula for all my life. Um, I'm still dancing hula. So I think that a lot of the experiences within the cultural practices of hula, so not necessarily just hula as a physical movement, but um, hula as the um, understanding of specific kinola or plants that are related to hula, mm -hmm. the chants, and then all of the translations of the chants, so the multiple layers of translations from the mythology layer to literally the scientific layer speaking mm -hmm. about water cycles, and then also to, to create all the different implements to understand like the different trees that you have to go pick from to make your kalaau or the laamia that you have to make to your, for your uli uli. All of these creating your own implements of each of these kind of gave me like a, um, a well-rounded experience and also an understanding of my environment here on this island. And so I think that, that ha it, it has to have an impact on a lot of my design process. And so when I was um, starting to do fabric designs for my dad, he would still do the original hand cut artwork, but he would hand that to me. And sometimes let's say it'd be of like a lehua or something. I have my own whole catalog of memories with lehua because I had to make so many ohia, um, miko, lehua um, leis over the years. So like I pull up on one of these like visual memories and try to figure out how I can translate that into a fabric or into a textile. And so I think that it, it's definitely a combination of both of us in the Sig Zane designs that you see currently today. And a lot of people don't really know like what role both of us play here and there. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that that would be the, as far as like the starting portion of Sig Zane designs from like 2003 all the way to 2010, during that whole beginning portion, I would say that that was our main role with each other is that he would create the original artwork and I would implement my perspectives and my practices into the layout of the artwork. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, th I think that's cool that you guys are able to collab. Um, you don't see too many, especially father son teams <laughs> that can, that can yeah. make it work, it's, especially in an artistic sense, right? Like, cause being an artist, yeah. I, I think you very much want to own your art. So to be able to collab with somebody else's vision and be happy with what comes out of it together, to me is a is an interesting thing that I always find fascinating with your your guys' company. Like the fact that I would you, was that? I would like to say that we're both happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, most of the time. At, at least it looks that way. Like you know, from front. 
so let's rewind a little bit because like i said I, I think i've been buying you guys shirts for at least i would say probably about i think my first shirt was maybe like 2008 i got the okay i got yep. the helo the helo map it was yep. a yep. red shirt with yellow yellow print of the helo map and yeah and that was like my favorite yeah. shirt bro. i used to love running that thing especially downtown because at the time i was a downtowner I was working business yeah. downtown. So like you run that shirt, you pretty much gotta be from Hilo to be running one Hilo map shirt. Like, yeah, and that was my way of announcing to everybody like, okay, I'm from Hilo. I'm wearing this shirt. Yeah. So you guys know, but that was like right on the cusp, I think of when you guys started like just exploding. I think it was maybe soon after that, like I saw you guys shirts everywhere. So when was that point where you guys just started, it started going crazy? You know, it, it's kind of hard for me to track because like, um, I think that there was a lot of different contributive factors to it. Uh, so I can only speak from like my, my narrow view of our success because there's so many people that contributed to it, you know? Sure. So, um, for me, I think the Maui store was a huge one in specific because um, that gave us a lot of um, fans outside of Hilo, I should say. Mm -hmm. And also, too, it wasn't necessarily Oahu, so it was still kind of something special to um, Hilo as well as to uh, Maui. And so when we actually ended up closing the the Maui store, I think I want to say that's 2009 we closed the Maui store. Um, at that time, I feel like my dad was able to focus a lot of his energies into like the business pursuits of 16 Designs. And like really look at like the structure of our production and kind of understand like where he can be able to implement new plans or new ideas. That said, um, simultaneously on my side in 2000, ooh, I want to say in 2006, I met the guys at Kicks Hawaii. Um, and I was, um, yeah, no, I actually met up with them and they wanted to do a collaboration at some point and it was more like just a t-shirt like a t-shirt with a hawaiian pocket concept or maybe like their own aloha shirt uh and so it kind of was just on the table during that time and then i want to say like 2007 or 8 or something like that um we ended up coming out with the sigzane converse sigzane kicks e converse and so i to me i feel that that put a lot of eyes onto our brand um and it also started to make like this um precedence as far as all right, how far can the Aloha print or the design go? You know, it doesn't need to stop at an Aloha shirt. And so I think that that for me was definitely one of the more um, prominent signals of like, all right, let's, let's push it. Let's see how far we can take this. Um, and then in 2009, I think we did a collaboration with Vans and we did um, a Chukka and then we did an Era. Um, and that was also alongside with Kicks Hawaii. And I think that for us at that time, we started to like see that a lot of these larger outside or mainline brands, you know, they, they appreciated our aesthetic. They appreciated our, our story, our heritage. Um, and so I think for us, it started to really come into perspective that like, okay, wow, let's, let's see where we can take this because quite honestly, bro, we're, we're still from the rainy side of Hilo. And I still very much view myself as like a country person, even when I go to Oahu <laughs> yeah. to a certain degree, you know? So like, sometimes I'm sitting in these meetings and I'm like, oh, how are these people even talking to us right now? It's mind blowing. <laughs> but um, 
yeah, I think I think it was a lot of those collaborations that opened a, a lot of eyes to our brand, and then also um, the being able to focus because coming out of two thousand eight, that was right after the recession, and we had a a really big like um, uh, we had to tighten up a lot. Yeah, um, and so leading into two thousand one, uh, I mean two thousand eleven. Um, I think I only had maybe one designer at that point and my last designer left, um, in 2011. And so it's pretty much just me and we still kind of had the same awareness of the brand, but I think that that's when we got nimble enough to be able to try new things. And I think, um, to echo like in the same place where we're at right now in 2020, you know, unfortunately I am technically all by myself and on, um, as far as my design team is concerned. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of opportunity. So hopefully at a certain point, I'll be able to bring some of them back on. But in the meantime, I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, nimbleness and uh, creative, like creative projects to be able to take new steps, you know? That's cool, bro. Like, I, I yeah, I think I one thing I appreciate about your guys' brand is like, um, there's, and maybe this is your touch on it, um, not to say your dad didn't have his hands on it too, but like, I feel like there's a, it's sort of like ushered in this aloha urban kind of vibe, you know, like prior to you guys, it was like Tory Richards, Ren Spooners, you know, very, I hate to say very, you know, bank banker oriented feel yeah. to the, to the clothes. And like, once you guys started, like, I remember when I was running your guys' shirts, it felt like I was, it was different. And, like, it felt a lot more, like, a, a more, not necessarily casual, but more like a streetwear kind of, like, a little more younger, a little more, even though, like, now it's appeals, appeals up and down. You know, people love your guys' designs up and down, which is great. But for me, it felt like I was running something different. And it had, I think maybe because you guys did the shoes and stuff like that, it had that kind of sort of Aloha Urban-ish kind of uh, feel to it. But yeah, I mean, once I saw, I remember, I remember this day, I was flying back to Hilo and I saw at the time Governor Abercrombie wearing yeah. the Koi shirt, which I had the same yeah. shirt on. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I was like, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, there it goes. That that's that's I was like, shit. He has the same shirt and it's the koi, the the koi one. And I was like, oh damn it. Okay. All right. Well, I gotta start I gotta start going for the oranges and the yellows and getting getting more wild with the colors with your guys' shirts. But yeah, I, I remember that day. But at the same time, I was like, I had this this Hilo pride that your guys brand you know, this little shop down on Commitment Avenue, you know, like down Bayfront yeah. is is repping statewide. And like, you know, for me, it was like before I used to run that shirt because I was like, OK, this is a Hilo, Hilo, Hilo boys, you know, Hilo family. I'm, we run their stuff. And then once I seen it all over the place, I was like even more proud because I was like, OK, Hilo, this Hilo company is making some serious waves. And then you guys started like popping up on Hawaiian Airlines planes and, you know, yeah. Hiko, Hiko logos all over the place. And, you know, Blows it's crazy. Mind, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's impressive. But, you know, and, and that's funny you mentioned the Hilo thing because I also wanted to talk to you about that because you guys are firmly rooted in Hilo. Uh, that's very much 
part of your DNA and your structure as far as you yourself, mm -hmm. but also as a company. And I was trying to explain, like, what is it about Hilo to you that garners this pride? Because I have this super Hilo pride, like, and I'm not even like, <laughs> you know, I went Waikil and Waikil is barely Hilo. Yeah. Like, Waikil is like all the, uh, that's like, that's like the Mililani of Oahu, you know, it's like all the Japanese guys is all on it, Waikil. But. Um, I mean, we got Panaeva, we got Waikeuka, so we we have we have some, you know, we have we have a mix. But at the time in the '90s, it was very different. But what is it about Hilo for you that you know? Oh. For me, it, 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 I I kind of I was trying to think of how to explain to somebody why I'm so proud to be a Hilo person and why I rep Hilo so hard. So, what is it for you that makes Hilo like this special place? Okay, so I was just explaining this in our employee meeting downstairs. This is our first employee meeting since like February or oh. March or something like that. Oh, because you, you couldn't know? meet. Um, <laughs> oh, because we literally had such a slim staff that we were just kind of like all hands on deck, you know? Yeah. So, um, but, so, okay, so my mom says this. Um, she says Hilo is a resilient bunch. Like, being in Hilo and being from Hilo, we're hardened by the tsunamis. We're hardened by the earthquakes, the constant threat of a volca um, volcano flow, and also not to mention the rain. And so I think that for us, it makes us very skeptical people, but at the same time, it makes us very loyal and resilient people too. And I think that that was one of the biggest things that my dad had to learn coming from Oahu. You know, he's from Oahu. Mm. Um, he's from Kaneohe. Uh, so I think that him kind of like paying it forward here in Hilo for all of those years, Hilo really adopted him as, um, as their own as well. And I think that um, a lot of those actions, you know, although they may be small, like just raking the um raking the kukui tree in front of the shop or he was actually just telling me that he he does the um he gardens the um bushes that are right on the side of the tsunami museum like the tsunami museum side and he's gardening their bush yeah uh so I get those of um those kind of actions uh they've definitely paid dividends and i think that with hilo in specific like once you make it over that hump I think that they're definitely a very loyal group. So that said, if you were to come from Hilo and have that loyalty that Hilo offers you, I think that's something to be proud of. I think yeah. that's something to be, I mean, I could care less. Yeah, I'll beat my chest about it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, no, I, I feel like there's credit due if you can actually gain that loyalty of Hilo. And it's not something to be taken either. So, um, as much as possible, the funny, the funny thing is, even for me, like I, I was spending half my week in Oahu and half my week here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so now I go skateboarding in the back of my road in Kelgaha. And then while I'm like skateboarding, uh, the neighbor in the back is like, oh, wow, that's a long time now. When you do this thing? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I didn't actually think about that, but 
I would usually be in Oahu, like managing the store or like having meetings or something like that. So they're very aware of your presence within Hilo too. So I think that that is something that if you have to work so hard for, of course, it's going to be something that you're proud of, you know? Yeah. So that's my personal opinion. No, no, no. It makes sense. I think, I think that was a, a beautiful way to put it because I, I, I always try to figure out like, um, I think the loyalty thing that you talk about is true. Like, I think I'm, I'm tougher, I'm tougher to get, you know, like I don't give it out, but once you get like, once you're, once you get it from me, I'll do whatever, you know, you need, you know, like, I think that's Hilo style, you know, like I think people who move there, like your dad probably went through it when he first got there. I have friends that, you know, have moved there recently and I tell them, you just gotta work. I think Hilo is like, I think what it is in Hilo is we work. People work. And like, if you do the work and you're out there and you're pounding and you're grinding and you're working hard, that shows because people are watching. Hilo, like you said, Hilo people are, are, their eyes are on you. They're on your neighbors. Like they watch each other. You, you know, if you, you know, so like it's sort of, yeah, I always try to figure out how to explain to people like about Hilo, but it's, it's not an easy easy thing it's sort of like if you're from Hilo you know what it is but the way you put it kind of makes a lot of sense um but yeah I mean so what's the plans for you guys I mean we're starting to loosen up this week is today is October 13 supposedly we're gonna start getting visitors although I know Hawaii County Hilo uh is may or may not you know open up as soon as the rest of us do but yeah. What do you, what are you guys thinking about um coming out of 2020 going into 2021? Um as far as finishing up 20, 2020, I think that uh, we're going to just be focusing online. I don't think we'll be opening up in Hilo. Um our our store in Oahu, we might be opening up for um November as far as appointments is concerned and we're kind of taking it like Friday, Friday, just trying to figure out what we're going to do. But at the same time, I don't want any of my employees in a precarious position either. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it, it's a very interesting, it's a, it's an interesting time. So yeah. I think that a lot of, um, a good place to be able to put our energy is to be able to put it into the creativity of things. And then also to be able to put it into um, how to translate that creativity in a web format or in an online format. No, like I, random concept, random concept. Well, actually, I'm not going to give that one out. I'll say that one later. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to give your secrets <laughs> out, bro. Not, not, I mean, not too many people listen to this, but still, you don't like give out all your secrets, bro. You don't like, you don't like give them all away. No, I mean, like, um, you know, the fighting eel, like I said, I'm pretty happy yep. with that shirt that I got. Um, I know you guys, isn't, is the Hurley, the Hurley thing kind of stopping too? Is that done? The Hurley one is coming to an end. Okay. Uh, this this last collaboration was the last one. Okay. And uh, we have, so we just released a, the, a Hilo hat, yep. our last Hilo I, hat. I, I have one. Um, I have the one. black one. <laughs> yeah. The one. Yeah. I actually, well, uh, uh, I actually got a text. Well, the reason I got one is um, somebody actually got it. They saw it and they're like, they got it for me as a gift. So yeah, I was yes. like, yeah, even better. I was like, oh, right on, <laughs> perfect. But yeah, so that's the last 
of the that Hilo collab with the with the Hurley yeah. the Hurley brand. I will say that we have one more Hilo hat coming out um, soon, mm-hmm. and so that one that one will be will be holding off for this winter season coming up. And then um, we have a couple other collaborations under our sleeve, but you know that that that's the thing is that as far as a brand is concerned, we still have a lot of history and. I mean, we're 35 years now, yeah. uh, which is kind of crazy. Because even if you look at like the the greats, like Alfred Shaheen, um, I think that even in their run uh, run, they had a pretty good run. But 35 years is a large chunk of their run too, you know. Yeah. So um, as I, I just gotta appreciate the fact that we're at this third 35th anniversary, and we still have the opportunity to be able to push things creative creatively. And to be able to do collaborations that can extend this this aesthetic of Aloha further out there, you know, uh, that's an interesting thing. So, I mean, ultimately, you, you mentioned pushing Aloha out there. How do you? I mean, what's the what's the what's the end game for you guys? Like, is it is it trying to spread that message and through through your design and you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to figure out, like, yep. Because you guys, it's very. I I feel like your guys' designs are super subtle. You know, like it doesn't smash you over the head. It's not gonna. It's not meant to smash you over the head with whatever you guys are trying to convey. But it's still powerful and it does convey a message. So, what are you guys trying to convey? And you know, where's the? Is there any? Like, what's the? What's what? Well, if you see it, where where would you want to see your? If you see your piece someplace and wherever that is you can tell me that's that and you go like okay we we, we mission accomplished we, we're good what where, where, where would that be or who would it be on like who would be wearing that thing and you'd be like okay we we made it we made it like this is we got we got pretty far <laughs> so i remember in 2009 i think it was 2009 i gotta i gotta go look at the picture but remember in 2009 i saw a track wearing our uh, wearing one of our hats <laughs> and he's djing and there was one picture of him djing with kanye in front of him and that that part i was like oh shit i think we made it <laughs> and then uh I seen this one picture of um, Age Track again at the tables, and he was in the studio trying to figure out. And like Jay Z's like standing right over him, and like I'm a pretty big Jay Z like fan, fan. So when I saw that, I was like, "It's done! It's done! <laughs> all, all my work is done already." But um, I think that I think that uh, you know, as, as I grew in this in this career too, I think there's a lot of work to be done still. So I think on the on the first level, I would say is a regard and a respect for Hawaiian intellect and it's their understanding for their environment. That'd be one. Um, the next level is that of that is equity on the table. So businesses that are doing business in Hawaii offer some sort of equity on the table towards Hawaiians or Hawaiian practitioners. Mm. And then I think the third of that is to be able to properly educate and properly raise a round of leaders that can make the best decisions for Hawaii moving forward. So I think there's three levels there, but, and, and I know this sounds very, you know, kind of distant from 
right? You just selling a lot of shit. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. The funny thing is that um, I'm in the Mediar Fellows right now. And it's really weird because like, you know, I go to the Mediar Fellows and I'm like, wow, these are pretty big time people over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how did I even get in here? This is weird. Uh, in the weirdest way, if I was to look at it in black and white, if I was to compare my network to any of them in there, and these, these are all very talented people and no way I'm taking anything away from them. I will say that the amount of people that wear Sig Zane Aloha shirts that I have an open conversation with definitely is a large span net that is all over Hawaii that ranges from economics from all the way to the bottom, all the way to the top. Mm -hmm. So if we wanted to build that regard and that respect for Hawaiian culture from the CEOs all the way down to your part-time workers, then that net of Aloha shirts, that network of Aloha shirts would be able to be one way to be able to share a little bit of our stories to try and build that regard and respect for Hawaiian intellect. And then secondly, um, you know, of course I learned from listening to rap and um, Lisa Kleins and she has a pretty epic story about equity as well. But, you know, when it comes down to it, it's like, I know there's a value to the design work and to the narrative that we're doing. And so no matter if it's Hawaiian Air or if it's Hawaiian Electric, I think that within a lot of these projects, I think there's possibility for equity at the table. And I'm saying this in a very future, future forward way. There's a few projects that I tried that out in and a few projects that are in process currently right now. But I feel like we can bring a residual value and a residual perspective to this, uh, to any entity that's doing business in Hawaii. And so that next level would be that equity. Um, in that last portion, as far as making sure that there's the right education and being able to create the environment for the right upbringing for leaders, I think that that's the portion that I need to get to at a certain point. But I will say that, brah, I went from a point zero, I was, I was at a 0 0.4, like that was my, that was my GPA, to I can sit down next to majority of the CEOs today in Hawaii and have a conversation with them. Yeah. So I think that I'm not sure what the best way to create a curriculum for leaders in Hawaii is, but I think that there's a lot of opportunities and experiences that I can draw from to be able to put that together or at least help put that together, I should say. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, I think that's but I'm not going for any politics or anything like that. I'm not trying to <laughs> run for any of that. I was gonna say, that sounds like a platform, bro. That sounds like uh, <laughs> sounds like Mayor Kuhau 2028 or something, you know. Bro. <laughs> not, not at all, bro. I, I enjoy sitting here and drinking at my bar. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think that's very it, it's it's cool that you think that way, and like because I think. Ultimately, and I know I probably I think I know some of the people in your Omidyar class or I've known people who have gone through that yeah. program or programs like it. And I like to think that generally speaking, everybody for the most part is pushing towards some common goal like that as far as uplifting the whole community. Yeah. Um, I find it awesome that you guys are that you can view it through the lens of your design. And that the design has yeah. that much impact because it does, it can, and it does. Um, 
but I, you know, I think, I think there's, I think, I think you guys are on the right track. I mean, like you're right. I, I never thought about it that way, but as far as people who know your work and who wear your work, that is a yeah. huge, massive amount of people who can say like, I have, I have a, a Sig Zane or I've, I've, or they yeah. can at least, as soon as they see it, they know it is one of your guys' pieces and they can, they can see it that way. And I think because you guys put so much thoughtfulness in your design, um, it, it, that'll kind of carry over. Right. So uh, that's awesome, man. I mean, I guess, you know, we're coming up on an hour. I don't want to keep you too long. Look, a cameo. Oh, hey, <laughs> how's it? <laughs> there's, there's the, there's the father just so everybody knows. Cause we're, we're basically radio. It's a podcast. So, uh, Kuhal's dad Sig just walked in and he he's he's at the bar. He can join us for a drink if you want. That's that's fine. Um, he's making his four p.m. tea. Oh, okay. His his tea, his tea, cold tea or his actual tea, like real tea or like special adult tea. Real tea, real tea. Oh, real tea, real tea. It's still only Tuesday. That's awesome, but like uh, I think. Uh, but, uh, I, 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 it's funny because like I said, it's, it's such a cool, uh, again, for me, it's all about the Hilo pride and the fact that, you, yeah. you know, to see you guys, like when I think of you, I think of like Alini Kawa, um, Big Island Candies, you know, like, you know, these, these Hilo based people and companies that have. Liz saw him at Kadoda's. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean. It, and that's the thing about yeah, Hilo, right? Yeah. You can run into somebody at Katotas or at KTA or or somebody, and you know that's yeah. that. And I I think that's the other part about Hilo that people f- don't think about is like, I think a lot of Hilo people for the most part have this sense of high sense of integrity and community because you cannot go anywhere and not see somebody you know. So if you go in out and yeah. do something bad. Or 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 kind of pilau, people gonna see, people gonna know, and it's all over the place, and it's hard to, you know, it's such a small town, and I think that kind of keeps us in check, and I, I try to carry that over here in Oahu, but Oahu is like a totally different beast. But um, so coming out of twenty twenty, you guys looking to do a few things? Don't you don't need to tip your hand? No, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, dude, I, I appreciate I appreciate your time. I don't want to keep you too long. Um, I I know I, I know you got busy stuff and your dad got to make his tea. But um, I, I had you scheduled till five thirty. So oh, okay, we can still go. Now. We can still go, bro. <laughs> I was going to ask you this. Um, you, you mentioned hula, and the fact that you danced yep. and you grew up dancing. Um, how? I mean, obviously, it's a big influence in in your work, but in your personal life too, like just your general everyday day to day. How big of an influence is that art form to you? Everything. It's literally a belief system, um, and not to say not to get all religious on people, <clears throat> but it it has all of the makings of its own belief system. Um, if you were to go to like, let's say perception wise, if you were to go to like a forest that your uncle took care of 
and your uncle was in the middle of a forest and you had to ask your uncle like, hey, uncle, um, I'm here. I have a request to go make some leaves. Can I grab some of these leaves, uh, grab some of these ferns, make a lay? Is that cool? And then he's going to call you back and then he'd be like, hey, shoots. Simple concept. Yeah. That's the same concept of how Hawaiian um, beliefs system is as far as understanding the um, the God systems of Hawaii too, you know? And I'm not saying God in like, I'm not saying God in like um, in a person that's mythologically there. I'm saying God in like the person or the entity, I should say, the entity responsible for the energies to keep that forest healthy. Yeah. So in that, in that manner, I think that it builds a system of rules and respect that I think a lot of our halal kikui people, because our, our hula, um, our hula halal has been going for, I think I'm the sixth generation or seventh generation, and we're on our eighth or ninth generation now even. So um, it's been going for a while, but I think that that construct of rules and respect for our environment is what's passed on through each of these dancers. And that's definitely what's passed on for me. So I think that it's not too far to say that what makes a great dancer makes a successful person in their career and possibly in life, you know? I add that possibly because there's a lot of um, commitment portions within hula that, that are very heavy. And for you to be a successful hula dancer also might make you have some sacrifices on a personal level or on a career level too. But I will say that I think hula gives you a lot of the disciplines um, just as much as any other martial art out there um, gives you a lot of those disciplines that would lead to a successful career. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think when I went to work for Kubu, that was the first time I really kind of understood the concept of, um, you know, Oli Komo and Oli Kahea, you know, and like before going even just to go for a hike to announce yourself, who you are, where you're coming from and, and why you're there and asking for quote unquote permission. Um, yep. you know, you're, you're just, you know, you're not going to get a full answer other than the feeling that you get when you ask and you make space for the silence. And in that silence, you can feel the, the energy telling yep. you like, yes, you, you can come in. You, you, we see you. You're, uh, you're sometimes maybe it's over here, but sometimes you get your answer in the wind. Sometimes you get your answer you know, an eel uh, showing up. So I, sometimes there's that answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've been on, on to places where we do it, we do the Oli and then you wait and you listen and you can hear yep. the trees, you can yep. hear the birds and it feels like you just feel that answer coming through. And then you're like, okay, that, that, that was the sign that we're okay. And we're, we're going to be safe and, you know, yep. you know, we're welcomed into, into the realm, but yeah, it's a, it's, it was an interesting learning experience. I mean, I grew up in Hilo, but I grew up more Japanese, right? Like, and that was in part, my family's not, we didn't grow up dancing or practicing, uh, being a practitioner of any kind of cultural practice. So like to learn that was interesting and it does give, it did give Do me you a know framework. If, uh... 
Do you know if uh, you guys were Buddhist or um, Shinto? On paper, we're Buddhist, but um, okay. but not. But it's weird because we never went to because Buddhist does they do have Sunday services, but we never yep. went. And yet, um, for New Year's, we would do the Shinto practice of going to the shrine, and then and then kind of doing that way. And I've, I've as I learned more through Kupu, um, of of and Kupu is definitely not a full on like native Hawaiian practicing type of org, but there are some practices that we would learn. Um, there's a lot of similarities in some of these these different you know belief systems. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think like you know Shinto kind of does the kami which is there's yep. a God in everything in nature. And, and it kind of felt similar yep. to some of the practices I was learning at, at Kupu, but. Um, yeah, no, it's exactly the same. No, I guess it's not exact. I shouldn't say that. It is very similar to Shinto religion. And we've done, um, we've done performances. I've danced at like Issei, which is like one of the highest Shinto shrines in Japan. It's, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think that, there's a lot of relative points as far as there is a spirit in all things animate and inanimate. So yep. just as much as a samurai would have a name for their sword because that sword can hold a spirit. That's the same concept as if Maui had a hook and the hook had the name because the name had a spirit, same exact concept. So I think that there's a lot of aligning factors within that. And I'm sure that there's a lot of factors that are unique as well to each, but, um, that's an interesting thing as, as learning this kind of stuff as a hula dancer and traveling, we end up traveling, not as tourists viewing the world. We end up traveling as natives that understand our culture, trying to find parallels. And that's yeah, an interesting I, thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. I was, um, so I was working on a, it, it didn't materialize, but we were working on this project to do, you know, the, you know, okay. So the economic summit that we invited you to come and speak yep. at, in in Amanolani, yep. we yep. were trying to pull one off in Hokkaido, so we were talking about trying to do something similar out in Hokkaido. And one of the one of the things I had suggested was that we we do a, a, a oli kahea, and then have the Ainu, who are indigenous people to yeah. Hokkaido, to do whatever they on their end to do a welcoming in for us to mm -hmm. to kind of open because i felt like there's a lot of parallels between between the cultures um and i'm sh and i was trying to research i was i was asking around at uh and stuff trying to research what is their welcoming protocols or what are their protocols and can we fit our yeah. protocol with their protocol and and be respectful to where we're we're, we're entering and and asking yeah. for permission but it's weird it's like just that simple concept of asking for permission to go someplace and then waiting for the okay <laughs> it sounds to so come. simple it sounds so simple but it's it's not practiced all the time now and like and no. and i learned a lot when i was at kupu because we would it was a lot more you know even to go work on a trail and we're gonna do work and it's 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 we, we ask for permission to come in and we, we, we ask for them, you know, to welcome us in and keep us safe and, you know, be okay with us working in their, in their area. And, you know, we, it's, yeah. it's simple, but it's, 
it's simple, but it's not practiced a lot. And I, I can see where you're saying like it does become part of your everyday thing, and you know that's your framework for how you how you act. Um, are you are you wait? But you're are you a kumu, or you're not? No, technically not. Um, we did uh, my my mom. <laughs> so so okay so. It's the uniki system, right? So, like, you get uniki. Uniki is technically like cutting the cord, and you become you, you graduate, you become your own teacher. And you know, there's a lot of uniki systems out there. I think my mom was trying to like set a precedence with us, and okay. some of us. I've been I've been dancing for like twenty seven years now, so I've been dancing for a long time. Yeah, and there's some people that've been dancing longer than me in this class too. That they've been dancing for like almost 31, 32 years even. So I think in a lot of systems, um, it would have been validated for us to be able to get to that point. So she said, okay, you know what? We're going to um, put you guys through a ceremony and it was going to be the Ilolo ceremony where you got to, um, where you partake with pig head as far as like eating it and everything. And so um, I think she started to go through this process of preparing us for this and about halfway through, she decided, you know what, we're going to call this an elevation. And so it wasn't technically called an uniki. And she just elevated us within our, with, within our same halal. So we did go up in ranking as far as in the halal is concerned. But as far as outside of the halal and externally, we're not necessarily regarded as a kumu. So whatever that means we got to wait if my mom it wants to create like another level of curriculum for us <laughs> and maybe another 10 years and so she's like you know what i want to make this system like this but um for me i think uh i'm i'm not trying to be a kumu i i know it's in my it's in my you know it's in my lineage at a certain point so i'll i'll, I'll take that hand whenever it shows itself yeah. um and at the same time, I think, I think that there's a lot of opportunities to be able to take what we have as a, as a hula structure or as a um, chore choreographing structure and see what other creative people can do with it too. So I'm actually impressed by a lot of my um, uh, peers that dance with me, my cousins, my family that dances with me. When they go and create their own choreography, I'm actually like, wow, that's amazing. Not bad, not bad. Not bad. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's you know, it's funny because hula and then I, I again, I don't, I've never danced, but I, I've always, I mean, growing up in Hilo, I think you're always around it, especially because of Mary Monarch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. a very, it's a very big part of Hilo, Hilo. You know, like that kind of that specifically that art form is very a Hilo Hilo thing, but. Um, it's funny as I so I still am I still want to learn Olelo because I yep. I like singing I like singing Hawaiian music. The oh, problem nice. is I don't always understand what I'm saying. I kinda know, mm -hmm. like I know the words, I know some of the words, I can kind of get a sense of what the lyrics mean. But it'd be better I think I would be better at performing or singing if I would actually understand what I'm saying, like the actual deeper meaning like you said, the multiple levels, not just the words, yeah. not just the poetry, but the next level meanings and the inferred meanings to what, you know, the writer was trying to convey. But 
Um, it's funny because I remember at the other event that I probably the last time I saw you in person, the time we had the event at Salt. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the last oh, time we saw you. Called up, dance. yeah, 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 yeah. And then you guys dance. <laughs> and the funny part is, like, there were what three or four of you guys that jumped up and started dancing. Yep. The same song, but different choreography of the same song, yeah. but all of it was still, you know, correct. And I yeah. think that's that's the cool thing about the art form is it it doesn't it there's that level of style uh, on top of what the what the choreography is. So the the motions or the simple part of the choreography might have been the same, yeah. but the style in which it's being delivered and the interpretation of it is all different and. There can be various levels of that, but I, I remember Lynn, uh, Mir Hira, because she was the one that she jumped up to and started dancing, and she was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I didn't know they were going to do that one, and I didn't know that one, and I told her, I was like, yeah, but you did the one you knew, the 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 style you knew, and the style you knew, yeah. it's still the right interpretation of the song, so... I was like, who? Yeah, it's an expressive art, you know, and it's an expressive interpretation of whatever you see fit. So that's where I think that there's a, there's like an unlimited strength to it because it really depends on your upbringing and your experiences to be able to inform your expressive art. And uh, that's the level where I look at my, people like my mom and I'm like, I, I'm trying to imagine the life that she had from 1940, you know, from the 1940s all the way through to now and experiencing the experiences that she had and how that informs her choreography. And so when, if you ask me, are you a Kumu yet? I'm like, Oh my God, this is such a big world that I need to figure out first. Like, hold yeah. on. Let me figure out this whole hula world. And so I think that that's something that um, the halal has kind of taught me that it taught me how large this world is as far as, um, cultural perspective and hula and so i think i still have a lot to learn yeah do you think you'll ever get to that point though where you can say or do you think it's like one of those types of things where you're never never a full master um so uh my mom guys they actually took the title of kumu 10 years after my grandma passed away so that, you know, cool. If that's your thing, if Kumo is the title that you've been striving for, perfect. In my mind, the ruler of Kumu is 10 years after your Kumu passes away. Gotcha. Yeah. And do you feel like, um, it, it, I guess for the art form, do you find that like it's it's one of those things where you can look at a different halal or a different style and want to learn and do you, is it like okay to go to them and say like i i like what you did like how do i like teach me what you were thinking or tell me what you're thinking because it seems so very I think, family um, or within a, you know it seems like sometimes the halal within itself is very a small group right like a very family yeah, oriented yeah. thing and, and <laughs> yeah and then like yeah. you know so there are secrets or not secrets, but there's Ike, there's knowledge that's held within the, the group. But, yeah. you know, how I, I don't know the community enough to know, like, how how open is the sharing between different halals and 
you know, what is that like? Okay, so this is this is where the Punahele and the Hanai system comes in, in like the idea from the Hawaiian familial network. Um, the Hanai system of being able to Hanai specific people already is implemented in the Hawaiian, you know, familial system. Yeah. So that same system is going to borrow itself over into the Hula familial system, not okay. necessarily connected by blood, but connected by knowledge, right? Yeah. And so it's up to the Kumu to be able to Hanai specific, you know, uh, students. And then it's up to this Kumu to be able to let this student go to this one, right? That said, I think, in my personal opinion, I think there's a value to be able to um, know one school of knowledge very well because there's such a wealth of knowledge within that one school. And so I, I, I'm, I'm saying that with a personal bias because I come from one school of knowledge. Sure. And in the same vein, I'm going to say like, if you was only doing jujitsu in UFC right now, you wouldn't survive. So um, I think there's, there got to be respect both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, where, um, you know, like who knows what, I mean, Mary Monarch is a big part of Hilo and, yeah. And who knows what the future holds now for the event? It got canceled this year, right? Um, yeah. Um, what? How big of a role is that event to the art form? I think, um, well, besides it being the best time of year and probably one of the best parties of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell. I'll, I always tell people, you know, like I always flew back for Mary Marnock week. Yeah. And they're like, you're crazy. And I was like, well, for me, it's not like I got to fight for one hotel room and I got to go fight for one car. You know, like I just yeah. got to be able to jump on the plane and, and get there. And my, I got my family, but I said, brah, so many pretty <laughs> chicks in town that week. It's like unreal. I said, it's the best time to be in Hilo and like parties all over the place. I said it's it's a it's a it's a interesting time. The town lights up for for Definitely. a weekend. Yeah, and and I was like, yeah, it's impressive. You can, you can literally feel the buzz in yeah. town, like yeah, all around. And then as soon as like Sunday comes around, Monday comes around, and then everybody leaves. It's almost like a depressive state. Like <laughs> yeah. everything just like drops. But um, okay, so first of all, Mary Monarch's important to Hilo because of the economic nature that it brings in. It's literally a gold rush for anything yeah. Aloha. Um, I think on the level of Hula, especially within the past 10 years, uh, it really put on display specific channels of Hula, like specific types of choreography. It put out there and <clears throat> from there, it's allowed other people to adapt styles into other styles and try and figure out the winning style. And I, when I say winning style, it's because the judges change out. And so it actually takes the Kumu's historical knowledge of each of these um, judges to be able to understand what plays to each of their styles. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you stick to your style, you play your thing, and sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, like Johnny Noho. Like sometimes he wins and just sweeps, sweeps, and then sometimes he's just not understood, you yeah. know. And so I think that um, 
as far as Mary Monica is concerned, in the past 10 years, there's been a lot of energy with young Kumu bringing like very sharp and innovative choreography, as well as translation of choreography into, uh, into the Mary Monarch format. So I think definitely with a, within the past 10 years, I've been entertained on the choreography level, you know? So um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's quintessential. Yeah, it's funny because um, actually, so when I first got into um, your guys' clothes was through, yep. was through um, my friend and she dances for um, Kamuela. Yep. Um, so of course, you know, they, they always have pretty, pretty women dancing for their halal. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was friends with this girl and she, she was like, Hey, you should check out, you know, you're from Hilo. Like, do you have one of those shirts? And I was like, actually, no. And she was the one that kind of, cause it was very, uh, I think your guys stuff was well known in the hula community, yeah. um, for a long time. And then. Then I got into getting your stuff and then it started to grow outside of the community, which is great. But that same friend, um, it's fun because I like watching, I, I like watching Mary Monarch with her or if not, um, she's married and she has kids yeah. now, but we, we would watch Mary Monarch separately and I, we're texting each other or like communicating with each other. That's because the best part. While you're watching, you just have like these different text threads that you go yeah. through. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but like her, like, because I never danced, my understanding yeah. is like at a one foot deep level. Like I can see the beauty. I can see the choreography. I can see what my, my eyes, what plays to my eyes and plays yeah. to my emotional part of what I'm feeling. And then of course, because I, I, I like the music, you know, the musical part to it but for her she's understanding it on another level as far as like interpretation you know choreography yeah. and then as a dancer she's looking at difficulty and like complexity of of what yeah. they're doing so like i enjoyed those those conversations because i before i, I and i always watched it i i still do and i would only consume it on a visual emotional level but as i started yeah. making friends in the community that can dance or understand it better and i'm hearing what they're telling me it started to be like whoa it's it's a complex art form that has multiple layers and um you know yeah it, and then and has a long history too that you can that you can weave into your current performance too so yeah, and then there's callbacks, right? There, you're making like yep. certain kumu will make callbacks to like different other kumu that maybe have you know passed or like something. They'll yep. they'll make a callback to a different dance that was done before, but kind of make it their own. Yeah, it's just it was an interesting. It's an interesting. Marmarnik is, <clears throat> I mean, not, like you said, not just for the town of Hilo, um, but I I think for the art form, it was it's an interesting thing. I always. I hate to use the word Super Bowl, you know, but it is sort of like the the grand event of of the of the art and I'm I'm hoping that it it has a future, you know, in in the pandemic um you know, if we're going to have a Mary Monarch bubble. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is, right? Everybody got to come in and test and then 
you know, once Hilo is kind of clean, it's like it's like the the just like the the NBA bubble. We have a, a Merrimarner. Yeah, to me, I don't know. Camuela would be the Lakers of the uh, Camuela would be the Lakers of the bubble. I think. Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're we see we see. Yeah, they're 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 up there. They they usually do pretty well. But I mean, I always, I I kind of I kind of give my friend. Um, gas now because she's she's about i think she's about your age yeah. um she's a few years younger than me but i'm like bro you can't dance for them anymore you too you, you know, <laughs> you know you, you're too old for that like they they only get like the the young girls right you cannot you cannot you cannot do them anymore <laughs> let's just say hula's an inspiring sport yeah yeah do you consider it a sport i mean is it is it a sport i consider it a sport I, I, and not necessarily a sport in the competitive nature, but a sport in the way that, or let's say art then, let's say art. Okay. I would say sport if it's like within a com- com- competition, but I think that as an art art form, there's a lot of things to be able to uh, master skill set wise, you know? So I don't know, I mean, I'm, bi- I, I'm biased, so. Yeah, no, I, I, I I've... I mean, it's a, and it looks, I mean, I know my um, sort of Hanai sisters used to dance. I think for, who did they dance for? Can't remember who they danced for in Hilo, but it was physically demanding. I mean, it's a physically yeah. demanding art. Like they yeah. would do duck walks around, you know, yeah, all over the totally. place and squats and, you know, like come back totally gassed and tired after you know, especially Marinarch practice because it's so intense. There's yeah. a lot on the line. Um, it, you feel that? Do you feel that Mary Marinarch you is is the proving ground? That's a good question. Proving ground. Um, I think. I think Mary Monarch is the platform for recognition. Gotcha. I think the proving ground a lot more for me now that I've kind of experienced a little bit of it is when you get your uniki and you are going through your, your uniki ceremony and you have your community of kumuhula watching you. So it doesn't matter about the lights, doesn't matter about the stage. It matters about your ability and having these people acknowledge your ability. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's more of the recognition, the public recognition versus the, the actual being proven that you're, you're of, you know, there to, to, that you can crank, that you can, you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Right on, man. I uh, see. I'm glad you told me you had me till like you know five thirty because like the hula. We're trying thing to get the su- Joe Rogan time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, bro, we could. If I think, I think eventually, if I keep this up, my goal is to yeah. have an actual spot. And if we, yeah. I'm sure, if you and I were sitting down, talking stories in person, we could call Gooch too. Tell them come over, Gooch and Amanda. Tell them come over and just cruise and drink. We probably would fill up the full three hours, but. Nah, man, I appreciate your time. Um, I don't, I don't want to keep you too long. Definitely. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely hit you up next time at home, especially if we go fishing. I'll tell you. I'll let you know. And you can come. For sure. For sure. Mama. Hit me up, bro. I'm going to email you my number so you can text me if anything. <laughs> yeah. Right on, bro.
All right. Um, mahalo Definitely. for coming on, and I appreciate your time, bro. For sure. Mahalo. Mahalo.